When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. This is another edition of the 49ers web zone. No Huddle Podcast, part of the Odyssey family. I'm Al Sacco. Brian Rennick will be with us a little bit later for an NFC championship game preview show and I do not take getting to do these shows for granted and as we start to look at this this game we're going to reach across the aisle we're going to get some insights from someone who covers the Lions for 97.1 the ticket has been covering the team for over 10 years he is Jeff Rieger Jeff thanks for taking the time Al how are you exciting week eh this is wild I mean you guys are used to this (laughs) yeah we're looking We're looking for some better results this time around. I think it's been seven times in the last 13 years they've been in the NFC Championship. But how exciting is it for the Lions? I was just telling Brian earlier, if it were any other team, I would be rooting for the Lions 100% here because they're such a great story. But it's the Niners, so I got to, you know, my my allegiance is there. But they've been just a phenomenal story. And Dan Campbell, I got to start out with Campbell. Because, Jeff, when, when he does his opening press conference, I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's talking about biting kneecaps off. He's going to be a train wreck. He's going to be gone in a year and a half. I can't wait to just see, you know, the dumpster fire that is this tenure. But then as his initial season goes on, you see the team playing really hard for him. And then you get to hear Campbell talk and you see the passion. And I can't help but be a fan of this guy. And lo and behold, three years later, he's a really good head coach too. And he's brought the Lions to somewhere they haven't been in a long time. What's your impression of Dan Campbell through the three years of covering him? Yeah, so I'll just be honest. I mean, when he did the whole biting kneecap thing, I might have been with everybody else like, oh, God, the Lions have an awful (laughs) history of hiring head coaches. Every head coach, we have this term in Detroit, it's called lionized, where you just see it in their eyes. They're done. And no other Detroit head coach ever gets another job. Like, if you look it up, nobody goes on, whether it be Marinelli, whether it be Morningwig, Mary Uchi, a lot of M's apparently, like Jim Caldwell, none of these, Matt Patricia, none of these guys have gone on to get another head coaching gig. Jim Schwartz is another one, the D.C. over in uh, Cleveland. And I I do think coming from Patricia and Quinn that a lot of people looked at Dan Campbell and were like, are you kidding me with this guy? Like biting kneecaps? But what you need to go back to is what happened before that comment. Because he had a message for Detroit. And he wasn't talking to the world. He was talking to Detroit. And his message was, listen, I know you're sick of this crap. But he said the S word. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. But you can swear. He said, I can't, oh, he's like, I know you're sick of this shit. Okay? But, but it's going to be better. I know you don't want to hear talk. But we will make a promise that it's going to be better. And, you know, it's gotten better. The first year, they were 3-13-1, as you mentioned. They really started to be a more physical team towards the end of things. The second year, they started one and six. The owner, Sheila Fordham, had to tell the media, it's going to be okay. Then they went eight and two in their final 10. And then this year, I mean, it's been outstanding so much 
that Dan Campbell has kept receipts and he's told the doubters of him and his coaching staff that he doesn't want you being a Lions fan. The train has left the station and you're too late. So I think some Lions fans took that as like, oh, really? I've been a fan for like ever. And all you guys have ever done is torment us. So I think I'm allowed to be a fan, but Campbell's been outstanding and all his guys love playing for him. And I do think like in the off season, guys are going to want to come to Detroit because they hear how great it is to play for Dan Campbell. Yeah, and I feel like a large part of the success this year with the Lions has been some of these rookies that they brought in. So Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, who scares the hell out of me as a 49ers fan this weekend. Um, <laughs> it, Branch, how important have these guys been? Are you surprised that they made this impact so soon? Well, so I think that's more of a Brad Holmes thing, too. The GM, Brad Holmes, the head coach, Dan Campbell, the front office has been outstanding. And it's weird because they hired Campbell before they hired Holmes. Not too often you hear an organization will hire the coach and then will hire the GM, which is kind of bizarre. But it's been outstanding because Brad Holmes, some of the guys you mentioned, have really worked out. Like Jameer Gibbs is a prime example. Running back from Alabama, catches the ball out of the backfield as well. They took him in the first round. Nobody takes a running back in the first round. Mm -hmm. And the fans here in Detroit were like, are you kidding me? You can get a running back in the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round. Don't take a running back in the first round. And I think people doubted Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And, and you see how good Jameer Gibbs been. Like it's taken a couple of weeks to get going to start the season. Then he got injured for, I want to say, two weeks. And since then, he's been outstanding. And you saw the 21-yard run he had against Tampa Bay. You saw mm -hmm. what he did against the Rams in the postseason as well. So am I surprised that these guys have been good? Absolutely. Like, if you go back to that Bucks game, the divisional round, Brian Branch, the leading tackler, that is a rookie, correct? Uh, Jameer Gibbs, the leading rusher, that is a rookie. I mean, it's been all these young guys, Sam Laporta, the leading receiver, a rookie. So mm -hmm. it's pretty wild. You usually don't see a guy hit so many picks in the draft, but Brad Holmes really has. And, and that is why this team has been so good. It's been their homegrown talent. And then Jared Goff's been really good for this team, too. And with Jared Goff, there comes a lot of criticism. I feel like there's a lot of moving the goalposts for him, similar to what totally. we see kind of with Brock Purdy. You know, it's just like he does something good, and then they're like, they make something else up to criticize him with. What were your impressions of Goff previous to Detroit versus what you've seen over the past three years? Were you, has, have you come around on Goff? Have you changed your opinion on him? All right, so I think all of Detroit changed their opinion. When you made the trade, Stafford for Goff. Lions got a couple of first-round picks as well. I think everybody looked at Jared Goff as this is the prototypical bridge quarterback. Sean McVay mm -hmm. doesn't want him. Why the hell do we want him? Like, we don't want Jared Goff. We want to use one of those first-round picks, and we want to draft the next great quarterback. Jared Goff had his time. He flamed out in Los Angeles. Nobody wants this guy. But a weird thing happened. Dan Campbell called him out his first season, said he's got to mm -hmm. be better. And since being called out, I mean, he's been outstanding. If you go back and look at the two playoff games, he's got a 111 rating in both games. If you look at the season, he's got a 112 rating, I believe. He's leading one of the top five offenses in the game. And I think we all know that Goff has his limitations. Like, he is a guy that needs to be protected, like most quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But if he's not protected, stuff breaks down around him. He's going to make really dumb decisions. And maybe, hopefully for Lions fans, you don't see that this weekend. But that is the book on golf. But if you got a good O-line, which the Lions do, and you got a whole lot of weapons, as the Lions do, 
Jared Goff, if given time, can pick you apart. So your question was that people kind of turn their minds on him. I mean, I have, and I think people have as well. He's gone from a bridge quarterback to now you got to pay him. Now you hope you're not breaking the bank for him. Mm-hmm. It's probably, what, 50 mil a year the top quarterbacks are getting. Do you have to pay that much? Lions have a whole lot of talent under the salary cap that they have to sign to with contracts coming yeah. up. But I, I do think, yes, all of Detroit loves Jared Goff. Now, I'll tell you this, and you know this, like just like Brock Purdy, the second things go wrong, like if you guys lost that game on Saturday night, Niner fans everywhere would be like, get rid of this bum. Everything needs to be perfect. Same thing with Goff. If things go bad on Sunday, which hopefully they don't for the Lions' sake, I don't think it's going to take long for Lions fans to turn on a guy like uh, Jared Goff. Do you think Hendon Hooker is a threat to him if that happens? I don't know. It's such a great question because you got him in the third round. You got him in the third round because he was injured. So he really hadn't played all season long. He wasn't practicing until the last three to four weeks. He never was a threat this year. Is he mm-hmm. a threat next year? Goff is under contract regardless. Then you could franchise him another year. So I believe there's two schools of thought, okay? The one school of thought, which doesn't make any sense to me, is that you took Hendon Hooker to be your backup. You're not taking a backup in the third round. I, I just don't right. think you are. The second school of thought is he will be the heir apparent to Jared Goff. Now, Brad Holmes has a fabulous track record, as we already talked about, with his draft picks. So I do believe that, yes, Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell eventually think Hendon Hooker is the guy. I just don't think that's not anytime soon. And if you look at it from this standpoint, too, you have an offense that's clicking, an offense that's super dangerous. I don't know why you would want to rock the boat. Now, you're probably going to lose your OC in Ben Johnson. He's mm-hmm. got a great she, if you will, with Jared Goff. So maybe the next guy prefers Hendon Hooker. But for now, Goff's the guy. And for next year, without a doubt, Goff is the guy. All right, as we look at the game, I guess I want to ask you first. When you, as like somebody who covers the Lions and sees this team, you know, weekly, daily, what about the 49ers worries you the most going into a this lot? Game? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, your, your pass rush, obviously. Nick Bosa and company. Now you're going against a very good offensive line. One tackle in Taylor Decker. He's not giving up a sack in the postseason. He's given up nine total all season long. The right tackle, Panay Sewell. He's only given up three tackles all season long. I know Chase Young hasn't had a sack in four games. So I kind of feel that no matter how good the O-line for Detroit is, the Niners will get home once or twice maybe three times, and that could wreak all kinds of havoc. So I think Lions fans worry about that. I think you also worry about Detroit's secondary. And Detroit's defense has been bend but don't break. And if you go back to November, they were getting lit up. They lost two or three games. People were freaking out. Since November, December and January, they're giving up 21, 22 points a game, which can win you games as long as you got a good offense like the Lions do. But kind of a startling stat for you. Of the remaining final four, the Ravens have the top scoring defense in football. The Niners have the second top scoring defense in football. The Chiefs have the third and the Lions are 24th. So Mm -hmm. one of these things obviously doesn't look like the other. So, yes, I worry about the Lions secondary. I worry about their defense. I worry about your offense. But more than anything else, and maybe this is just me, but the Lions have taken out the Rams and Matthew Stafford, kind of a middling team that got really hot, right? They were a, yeah, a six. Yeah, that's fair. 
Then they took out the Bucks, who won a division that nobody ever wants to win. And they got red hot. They won six to seven down the stretch, right? They won the NFC South. Both those games were at Ford Field. So there is kind of a feeling, and I don't know if Lions fans share this with me, but it's what I believe. Those games, I don't want to say easier because that's not fair to Detroit, but they might have been a little lighter competition than they're going to see this weekend. So I think you add home game in Frisco, San Francisco, Santa Clara. I think you add a very good offense when Purdy is protected. He's dominant. And I think you worry about the Lions secondary. And can the Lions get home on Brock? And then the other side of things, will the Niners get home on Jared? So I think those are probably the things that worry me the most. Yeah, and I'll throw a stat your way. The Niners only have two sacks in their last three postseason games. So they've actually had trouble getting home lately. Yeah, so, but, or are they due? That's kind of the theme of this show we're going to talk about. I kind of feel like they might be due a little bit, but Niner fans are worried and they're worried about Sewell and Decker and your your line kind of neutralizing them. And I guess, I, I, go ahead. Well, the other thing too, by the way, is Aiden Hutchinson's going against your right tackle. And I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he's not going to, he moves around, Hutch does. Yeah, but like, I I would assume he's not going to go against Trent Williams, right? And he's been eating sack wise. He's got eight sacks in the last five games. He leads the postseason in pressures, and it's not even close to the second guy that has the second most. So I, I think Aiden Hutchinson could be a guy that if you get to Brock Purdy, make him feel a little uncomfortable, like we saw on Saturday night, that maybe mm-hmm. things fall the Lions' way. The other thing defensively for Detroit, while they're giving up a ton of yards through the air, they're getting gashed by Mike Evans. It was D, uh, Mike Evans, C.D. Lamb, uh, Justin Jefferson. I'm drawing a blank. There's one more. Uh, Puka Nakua from the Rams. They've been Mm -hmm. giving up a ton of yardage, but in the process, they've also forced some turnovers. The secondary is getting turnovers. CJ Garner Johnson is back. Ify Malinfamu has been good for them. So so it's kind of like we're going to bend and we hope not to break. So I'm going to tell you what worries me about Detroit, and then I'm going to ask you where I think they can. Montgomery and Gibbs scare the shit out of me because the Niners have trouble stopping the run. Yeah, and, and just if you watched Aaron Jones last week kind of getting off the edge, I'm just having nightmares at Gibbs getting an open space and breaking a 40, 50-yard run. Where do, What do you think, or where are some ways that you think Detroit can take advantage of the 49ers in this game? So I think that's the top one. I really do. I think you're looking at a Lions team that is going to try to run the football, establish the run. And against San Francisco, I do think they're going to be successful with that offensive line. Panay Sewell is one of the best run blockers in America. The guy is an absolute beast. He's he's sensational. Mm. So I I do think you're going to be able to run the football. I think the goal will be to keep Purdy and your offense off the field. And hopefully, and they've done this. They've done this in the postseason. Put together soul-sucking drives that last five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, and keep San Francisco's offense off the field and limit possessions. If you go back to the Rams game, the first playoff game, Each team got eight possessions. The Lions scored on four of them. I think if you play that type of game, I think Detroit can win that type of game. I also think, and I don't know what Brock Purdy, you can tell me, like how much the the rain was a factor. I know he was had the glove, and he didn't look like vintage Brock Purdy. Like I found myself thinking, MVP for this guy, this conversation is crazy. And the Packers dropped a couple of picks. Mm-hmm. Will the same opportunity be presented to the Lions? And I don't know that the Packers or, or that the Lions rather are going to drop those same opportunities. So I think those are the way that you beat the, the the Niners. 
But I think more than anything, you got to be able to run the football. And the Lions stopped the run as well. So they're going to do their best to stop the run yeah. and make Brock Purdy beat you. And if Debo doesn't play, and we've all heard the stat that your offense gets, what, a yard less when Debo is not on the field, I think that bodes well for Detroit as well. Yeah, and I think, too, with Purdy, I, I really think he's going to bounce back. He's had a couple rough Probably. games, and, and, and he's got a lot of moxie, and he's come back. So I think Brandon Ayuk is a person to look out for in this game yes. on the outside. I think he's going to have a big game. And the Debo stuff, to me, is a little bit overblown because most okay. of those games they didn't have Trent Williams either. Um, and if you go back to last year, the Niners averaged, uh, I think it was 30 points a game without Debo in the three games he was out. So um, it, we'll see on here if he's out. The Niners have trouble adjusting with Debo if he goes out during the game. But if they can Good game point. plan knowing they're not going to have him, it, it kind of helps. So, all right. Well, before we get you is, I, I, saw, I saw a stat, and you can tell me if I'm right about this, but Christian McCaffrey, when he rushes for over 75 yards a game, I believe you guys are 10-1, and one, if, if that sounds about right. Lions are very good at stopping the run, the second-best team in America in stopping the run. So if you can do the unthinkable, because McCaffrey's going to be the best running back they go up against, if yeah. you can somehow find a way to stop CMC, the Lions can definitely win the football game. Now, I don't know if they will, but they've stopped everybody else. I'm going to put you on the spot before I let you go. Who wins the game? Oh, crap. I I've said this the entire time, Al. I said if – Detroit could get to San Francisco in the NFC title game. It kind of feels like house money. And it's such an amazing yeah. season. You also don't know the next time you're going to get back here. I, I, I think the Niners probably win. I think you eke it out. I think it's going to be a three-point game. However, I'll pick the Lions because why wouldn't I? So I, I'll go the Lions. I love it. It's going to be a nice yeah. day. Let's go 31 20 Seven, something along those lines. You got to stick you? with your team. Uh, I think the Niners are going to pull it out. I think I think Detroit's going to score, and I think it's going to be closer than people want to believe. But I'm going to say, like, the Niners, yeah, I think it's going to be, like, a 34-ish to 27-type game, you know, 30, 34 to 24 in that range. But um, I feel like the Niners are, are going to eat this one out. But I'll tell you what, like I said, if it was any other team, I'd be rooting for the Lions, and it, it's, it's going to hurt if they lose. But how can you not feel good for Dan Campbell in a city that's, you know, as much as it means to Detroit. So just to tell you one thing before we're done here, it means the world to Detroit. It, it really does. And not to cheapen what it means to San Francisco. And I know what happened last year with Purdy getting injured and you easily could have gone to the Super Bowl. And mm -hmm. these type of situations are special. But being a Detroiter, we, we've never thought this would happen to us. We, we've never <laughs> right. we've yeah, no, I get it. ourselves that like the Lions, the Super Bowl is not for them. So to be 60 minutes away, this city, I like, I'm in Florida right now. I, I scheduled a golf trip. People are coming up to me. I tell them, hey, I'm from Detroit. People are like, all right, Lions. Like, everybody's fired <laughs> yeah. up. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think outside of Niners fans, most people are probably for the Lions just because of the story. But, you know, we'll see. I hope it's a good game, man, and good luck. Enjoy it. Are you going to be out there or are you still going to be in Florida? No, no, no. I'm going to just be watching it at home. This one, I'll just okay. uh, watch it in front of the beautiful TV. What about you? You're going to be at the stadium? No, I'll be same. I'll be by myself in my basement watching, watching it here. So. Yeah. According to Vivid Seats, I believe it's called, 22% of the fans at the state Levi Stadium will be Lions fans. Oh, so, really? I don't know if that number seems high to you, but I mean, I, I would assume that's just like figuring out who's buying tickets and what zip code they're from. But there, there should be Lions fans have traveled all season long. It's been very impressive. So I got to believe I know a lot of people like it is this, this is going to blow your mind. 
but it is actually cheaper to fly down to San Francisco, get a place to stay, buy a ticket for five, six hundred bucks, than to if the NFC title game was in Detroit, the going rate would probably be two grand just to get in. It was eleven hundred to get in for the divisional round. It's crazy expensive. That's insane. I didn't think that they traveled like that. I wasn't expecting that. So that'll be interesting if there's that many Lions fans in, in the stadium. That's crazy. Yes, treat them well. They're good people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. We appreciate the time. Good luck. All right, Al. Thank you. Good luck to you as well. All right. We are bringing Brian Reddick back in here. Start this preview. Brian, how cool is it? And we have to really appreciate, I feel like, we may not get a lot of chances to do this to do a show and cover an NFC championship game. Hopefully fingers crossed, we can keep going after that to keep covering games, but how cool is just, just to be able to cover this team during this time? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, there was, there were some dark ages as, as we've talked about before uh, in, in this franchise since the last time they won a Super Bowl, And, and just to, just to know that Kyle Shanahan came in and, you know, we've been to four of five, four of the last five NFC championship games. And really the only, the only thing to rival it is the fact that Patrick Mahomes has never not been in an AFC championship game, which is impressive in and of itself. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's when your team wins, it's fun and, and it may not create as much opportunity for, for content in, in a, what has become a really negative uh, world, if you will, in terms of what gets eyeballs or earballs or attention or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, the negative far outweighs the positive, but man, this team is consistent. It wins. And I love talking about it. And I love being a fan of the team. You know, obviously as a fan, this is, this is all you could ask for is an opportunity every season to know that, Hey, you know what? The likelihood that, that my squad makes it to the playoffs and makes a deep run is pretty high because of the guy that we got leading the team. And it seems like we found our quarterback now, which is even better. And it just, I, I, I don't know at what point you can look and go, I, I don't know when the 49ers stop being contenders every year, uh, as long as Shanahan is leading. And, and as long as Brock is playing the way that he's played this season. Yeah. It looks like the window is going to be open for a bit. I don't necessarily know with this core how much longer, but sure. again, if they replenish and, and keep doing what they have been doing, there's no reason they can't put other pieces around Brock and around Bosa and around guys who are going to be here for a while, a while longer. Right. So as I'm starting to dive into this, you know me, I'm always looking at stats, right? I just, yep. I know it only tells part of the story, but like, it's always something that's been really cool to me to look at those. And I, I came across something that got me a little more worried about something that I have been worried about. And that's the defense. So going back to last season in the playoffs last year, the Niners defense only has two sacks over its last three games and five um, over its last four games. If you look at the 2021 postseason alone, they had 12 sacks in those three games. So they're not getting home. Mm -hmm. And we talked about some of the concerns with the defense and Nick Bosa, especially Nick Bosa, he started out his first six playoff games. He had eight sacks, just, I mean, dominant. He hasn't had any in his last four games. I kind of feel like, even though the numbers tell me exactly the opposite, because the Lions have Decker and Penny Sewell, who mm-hmm. are just absolute fantastic bookends there, like two of, the, yeah. two of the best in the league. The sack percentage, 4.9% for 
is the second best in the league for the Lions offense. They only allow a sack at 4.9% of the dropbacks. Who they is only number one? Their, um, you know, I wish I wrote that down. I did. I think, well, so. I, I only bring that up because I think, <laughs> I think the Packers are either number one or they were around there, right? They're, so it's two teams in a row, two teams in a row where, where the, they don't allow their quarterback to get sacked. And so that's the only reason I brought it up. Well, that's interesting. I'll see next time you start talking, I'll get up. Um, yeah. and then only 31 sacks, which is the fourth least in the league. Mm. So this is a team that doesn't really let you get to the quarterback. Even though golf is a statue, whatever they're doing there, they're giving him time or he's getting rid of the ball, whatever, whatever it is. So I actually think I put out when I put up the stat about Bosa, I said, I feel like he's going to get one this week. A lot of people are not confident in that at all. Like, no, he's not. This is a great offensive line, blah, blah, blah. And, and what I'm thinking is, yeah, these guys are great. But Nick Bosa is also supposed to be one of the best defensive players in the league. Yeah. He, if you're that good. And your you know greatness going against greatness, you could still win. I just feel like sure. he's due. I feel like this whole whole defensive line is due. Start getting home. You could say they've gotten some pressures, and I think both somebody had like five QB hits last week or something. Like mm -hmm. he was getting pressure, but they haven't gotten home. And that's one of the things that really stuck out to me that they're going to have to do here. That Brian and I said this last show. I am scared shitless of Jameer Gibbs in this game. Yeah. After what I saw Aaron Jones do to this defense, you get Gibbs out there in the open field. He scares me, and then they can really pound it inside with David Montgomery. That's a good one-two punch. If they protect Goff like that, mm -hmm. and you got the running backs doing what they're doing. I know Frank Ragnow's banged up, but he's one of the best centers in the league. Yeah, This is a scary offense. Laporta, St. Brown, you could get into a shootout, and that's not what I want to see. I want to see this defense come out and look like the 49ers defense. Yeah, you know, the, the D-line is my biggest concern, uh, both in the run game and the pass game. And, and it's hard to say that because this is a team that has sunk more resources into that position group uh, over any other position group on the team. And you said it, uh, you, you did say Ragnow is dealing with injuries. The other thing is their, uh, I believe, right guard Jonah Jackson is out. And that's a big loss for them. Um, Jonah Jackson was incredible in pass protection. The guy that backs him up. Uh, not so much. And so if the 49ers get to Goff this weekend, I think the likelihood is, is it's going to be interior pressure. And so you might want to see, you might want to hope for a big game from Hargrave and, and Armstead. But the other concern I have is the same one that you have, and that is Jameer Gibbs. And I actually, uh, I tweeted this out earlier today. I even tweeted at Matt Barrows. I just replied to a tweet that he put out. He didn't answer, but I also don't know that he can't answer. But my question is this. We watched Chase Young absolutely lose the edge multiple times in the game against, against the Packers. And it was shocking to me how much that D-line missed Cleland Farrell. And... Not only that, but because Young was now in on early downs as well as pass downs, he his pass rush also suffered, right? Because he's on the field more. Mm -hmm. Because he's he's you know he he has to he has to play against the run. I wonder, and and I almost hope that the way that the 49ers counter that is to bump Armstead out to D end on early downs and bring Kinlaw in to pair with Hargrave. And now you've got Hargrave and Kinlaw on the interior, even though Eric Armstead is a beast inside and he's an incredible run defender inside, I would be far more comfortable with him setting the edge 
against this Lions run uh, rushing attack than Chase Young. And then the other thing that does is that frees Chase Young to then come in and just along with Randy Gregory, be those guys opposite Nick Bosa that are coming in to just rush the passer when you know it's it, it's time to rush the passer. Those are my two big concerns is setting the edge and then getting getting pressure on Goff. And uh, our buddy Akash uh, tweeted this out earlier today. Um, Jared Goff has the fewest scrambles this season and the sixth most throwaways. So while he's not necessarily getting sacked a lot, what he is doing is is either throwing the ball away or putting the ball in danger when he is getting pressured. And so while we may not see a ton of sacks this game, I mean, we'd like to, but even if we don't, as long as you can get consistent pressure on Goff, I think that is the key to get him off his spot, to get him rattled and to, to possibly get him to throw the ball into harm's way a couple of times, which is ultimately what they did with Jordan love in the second half as well. They didn't sack Jordan love, but, the game ceiling uh, interception came because they got pressure. He had to get outside the pocket and then he just made a dumb decision and threw across his body and, and Drake Greenlaw picked it off. So uh, it is, it is pretty important that, that the 49ers get pressure on Goff. But I think more than that, it's important that the 49ers really commit to run defense because this lions team is not going to abandon the run unless, unless right. they're down by three scores they're not abandoning the run. Even if they're down two, I can guarantee they're not abandoning the run. You have got to come into this game fully committed to stopping the run. And I think that starts with getting somebody that's fully committed to setting the edge because Chase Young is not. And I apologize. I can't read my own writing. So the Lions are actually tied for third in sack percentage at 4.9. And they are tied with the Packers. Okay. Um, the, Chiefs and, the, Chiefs and the, the Chiefs and the Bills are the only teams that have a better sack percentage. Um allowing their QB to get sacked. So because their yeah, QBs are, are slippery as hell and get out of the pocket yeah. all the damn they're, time. They're not human. Those two guys, but yeah. um, yeah, so tough guy to sack, but with golf, we've seen Niners had a lot of good games against Jared Goff. You, you know, they, they really have. He's 0-4 he in his last four against the 49ers. And he makes, he, he's been better lately, but he often makes a throw where you're like, Oh, or enough times I should say, or a mm -hmm. play that can kind of get you back in the game or turn things with a, with a bad interception or whatever. He's been known to do that. But Lions offense, third in the league in yards, fifth in points, um, second passing, fifth in rushing. They have 27 rushing touchdowns this year, tied with the Niners and the Dolphins. So like you said, they are a team that's going to run. And if you haven't watched them a lot this year, I actually, it's funny, like I had David Montgomery on my fantasy team. And like, I just kind of like, I'm, Dan, Dan Campbell's an easy guy to root for. So I, I watched a yeah. lot of Lions games this year. For whatever reason, I have the ticket. I found myself watching probably most of their season. I watched a lot of the games. What they do with Montgomery and Gibbs when it's working is, is deadly. And mm -hmm. when it is working, they can beat anybody. Because like you said, they're going to run the ball. They're going to commit to that. So what they do is they pound David Montgomery in between the tackles. And then you know, if the defense backs off or whatever, you can bring Gibbs in. You can throw the ball to Gibbs. They run Gibbs a lot. Gibbs is deadly. When he gets in space with that 4-3 speed, he's gone. We've seen him just make a ton of plays this year where he just gets, in, again, gets in space, gets on the second level, and he goes. So that's what would scare you there. As much as they have Laporta and St. Brown, and, you know, it's, it's a terrific offense. You know, Jameson Williams can hit a long ball. Ben Johnson's one of the hot coordinators in the league. Yeah, they can beat you with those guys. What scares me the most is the backfield. And if that offensive line gets going and gets comfortable, and if they are getting chunks, 
then they're going to keep the 49ers offense off the field, similar to what you saw early in the game with the Packers when the Packers were running the ball so well. They had those long drives. The Packers mm-hmm. just couldn't finish, which allowed the door to stay open for the 49ers to come back. So that's what worries me on that side of the ball, Brian, is Gibbs and Montgomery. Those are the two names I'm going to be watching for. For sure. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing to me is – that this game is in Santa Clara and it's not in Detroit. That's not interesting to me. What's interesting is that, uh, again, our buddy Akash, uh, tweeted this out, uh, earlier today as well. Uh, Jared Goff's passer rating indoors is fifth in the NFL. His passer rating outdoors is 21st in the NFL. And then, uh, another friend of the show, Steph Sanchez tweeted this out. Uh, these are the lions home and away splits since last season, uh, 17 games at home. They're 11 and six. They've scored 67 touchdowns. They average 31.9 points per game, and their opponents average 23.6. Away, they are 10 and 7. They've only scored 45 touchdowns and 21.9 points per game, and their opponents average 24.8. So on the road, they are currently giving up more points than they are scoring, which bodes well for the 49ers. And not only that, but uh, Akash again tweeted this out. Akash is a star of this show. Uh, but the, the lions and Jared Goff have only played one true outdoor game on grass since November, since November. Yeah. And their offense only put up 13 points in a loss to Chicago. Uh, and Jared Goff only threw for 161 yards. Every other game they've played since that Chicago game on December 10th, it has been in a dome, whether it be their own dome or or somewhere else. Mm. So, um, again, we look. We saw the kind of rust that the 49ers had in the game against Green Bay last week. You could also attribute it to the rain, all of that. Like There are many factors for why the 49ers looked the way that they did. But the fact that this Lions team hasn't had to play outdoors, and I know it's not like it's going to be it's, – it's supposed to be, I believe, uh, I believe it's supposed to be 60 degrees and, um, and cloudy. Uh, but – before I finish this thought, I would like to say breaking news. We are recording this on Wednesday, January 24th at 3.51 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Jim Harbaugh is leaving the University of Michigan to coach the L.A. Chargers. So our old buddy, Jim Harbaugh, going to the AFC West with Sean Payton. And I cannot wait, oh, can't wait. for those fireworks. Pure entertainment. I'm so glad he's back in the NFL. So yes. glad Harbaugh's back in the NFL, and I can't wait to see what he does with the Chargers. That's cool. 100%. Yeah, it looked like that was going to be happening sooner than later. So that's yeah, it's good for the league, man. It's good for the league yeah. to have him back in there. Absolutely. So yeah, in terms of uh, of of when the when the Lions have the ball, uh, I think I think the 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 two keys, like we said, are setting the edge against the run game, and it'll be interesting to see if they do anything different than they did against Green Bay because what they did against Green Bay didn't really work. And then can they get enough pressure on Goff to either sack him or at the very least, you know, get him to throw the ball away or again, put the ball in harm's way. Uh, the other thing that I hope to see is Jair Brown on the field and not Logan Ryan. You know, we talked about it last episode, no shade to Logan Ryan, great player. Uh, he was on a Disney cruise in December, like to, to expect him to be, you know, to expect him to be anything other than an emergency start is I think asking too much. And I know Jair Brown is young, but Jair Brown is also going to bring more athleticism 
and and he's a much more willing hitter, which is going to be important against this Lions team in that run game. You know, he's going to be an important part of run support, I believe. And so I would I'm hoping to see him on the field as well. Yeah, looking for a bounce back game from Ambry Thomas and those safeties to play a little bit better too. When Goff's home road splits this year, you know, Brian, you talked a little bit about it too. He's got a 70% completion percentage at home, 64.8 on the road, 19 TDs, six interceptions at home, 11 and six on the road, 107.9 rating at home, 89.4 on the road. So he's definitely much better at home than he is on the road. Yes. And again, we've seen him against the Niners before. Hopefully <laughs> it's a vintage Jared Goff versus the 49ers game. But listen, the other side of the ball is huge too. And the Niners got to bounce back there. And we will take a look at that after this. All right. The biggest thing for me, the Debo injury is huge on this side of the ball. The offense had a rough game against the Packers. They were out of sync. The quarterback was out of sync. Having Debo on the field does a lot of things. He's a Swiss Army knife for this team, right? I also think if you listen to a lot of national media or just I listen to other, like I listen to betting podcasts, I listen to all yeah. these different podcasts, they make it seem like the 49ers cannot function without Debo Samuel. Like, oh my God, they, they can't win a game if Debo doesn't play and like he's he's a whole offense. Here's what here's what I think happened with, with the Debo situation. The three games that they lost when Debo was out, Trent Williams was also hurt and out. And I think that yes. had a lot to do with it. And not having Trent Williams had, Yeah, agree. Now, where they do struggle when Debo is hurt is when they have a game plan that has a lot to do with Debo and he gets hurt during the game. Correct. No question they struggle there with that. I mean, no question at all. But if you look at last season when Debo wasn't there, the offense did pretty well in those games. So it was... Well, one was a Thursday night against game against Seattle. That's tough. Yeah. You know, Thursday, Birdie was hurt. It was 21 to 13. Mm -hmm. They won. But then they won 37 to 20 against Washington. And they had yep. to come back against the Raiders to put up 37 points in that game. Yep. So the two games that weren't Thursday night games, that they didn't have him, they scored a combined 74 points. So they have done it in the past. It's not like if they, if they go into this game and they know they don't have Debo, oh, my God, they can't play. They still have Ayuk. They still have Kittle. They still have McCaffrey. They still have all these players. What I think throws them off is not having Debo. It's game planning around Debo and then having him taken out. For whatever reason, Kyle seems to have a hard time adjusting to that. Maybe Purdy, too. But yeah. I do want to see, obviously, if he's on the field, it's going to help them. The Lions have a phenomenal run defense. They only give up 3.7 yes. yards per carry. Um, and they're second best in the NFL, I believe, in, in rush yards allowed. So they, they go into the games going, we know we can stop the run. We also know we can't really cover. So I think yes. if the Niners are going to run, they're going to have to get creative and Debo will help with that if he's in. But mm -hmm. this is a Brock Purdy game. This yeah. is a Brandon Ayuk game. Yeah. I feel like this is a game where we're going to look up and Brandon Ayuk's going to have seven catches for 120 yards. I feel like it's going to be that kind of game. I hope that Kyle does not get away from McCaffrey because you still got to feed your man. But this Lions defense is not good at defending the pass. Not good at all. They do hit you, but that's after you catch the ball and run 20 yards. So I feel like it's going to be a bounce back game for Purdy. If he's on, you're going to see him throw for a lot of yards. You're going to see how you have a big game and you're going to see the Niners put up a lot of points to the air, I think. Yeah. You know, and I, I, again, something that I tweeted out earlier today, let's not let this Debo injury narrative get too wild. Uh, Brock Purdy won three games without Debo. Like you said, last, last season, he averaged 31 points a game in, in those three games. And, and like you said, I think the biggest issue 
when Debo goes down is if Debo goes down in the middle of a game versus if Debo is not going to play. Kyle Shanahan is far more adept at game planning around Debo's absence than he is play calling around Debo's absence mm-hmm. mid game. And honestly, like the perfect example of that is the Juwan Jennings play, right? That was a play designed for Debo. And if Debo was in, right, Brock calls Hezzy, right? Again, based on what the defense gives him, and then the ball goes to Debo. Well, it was Juwan and not Debo, and Kyle forgot to tell Brock, hey, don't call Hezzy on this. Like, we're just running this play regardless. You know, and he said it in his in his press conference. So I I have no I have no worries going into the game. If Debo is out, Kyle has game planned to have Debo out. And I imagine he probably has, or at the very least he knows he he's got a Debo game plan and he's got a non Debo game plan. It still blows my mind, by the way, that if Debo goes out, you can't just shift Christian McCaffrey into that role and then, you know, bring Elijah Mitchell and, and, um, and Jordan Mason in uh, as Mm -hmm. your runners and, and, and kind of really still use a lot of the same plays, but maybe, maybe that's, I, again, I've I've never played professional football, so that might be a little bit too much on on McCaffrey's plate. But I'm not concerned if Debo doesn't play in this game that the 49ers offense is going to look out of whack. I'm really not. Uh, if and I don't think that Kyle's going to going to create a Debo heavy game plan, even if Debo does play, just because he's banged up. So um, I'm not concerned about about that. The, the Lions have not allowed a, a rusher to rush for more than 70 yards this season, a single rusher. Um, that is impressive. That's very impressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's almost as impressive as the streak that the 49ers had, which got broken last week by Aaron Jones, but they went something like 51 games without allowing a, a single 100-yard rusher. And so that really is, you know, a, a irresistible force meets immovable object situation, right? the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey was the rushing champion this season. And he's going against arguably the best run defense in the NFL. Uh, You said they were ranked two. Is that correct? Yeah, I could double check it, but yeah, Yeah. I'm not sure who's first, but, um, but you know, impressive. Uh, And then you mentioned, you mentioned the pass defense and, and that's, again, I, I think this is where, I didn't understand Kyle Shanahan's game plan against Green Bay because Green Bay wasn't a good wasn't good defending the run. And so for him to come in and, and not have a game plan built around the run just felt weird. If Kyle Shanahan comes out on Sunday and the game plan is pass heavy, that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me because that's where Detroit is vulnerable. But the interesting thing is Detroit is vulnerable on the outside. Uh, David Lombardi tweeted out that uh, the passer rating that Lions outside corners have allowed uh, is uh, Kendall Vildor is 140.6 and Cam Sutton is 122.0. Now, Brian Branch, their rookie safety slash nickel, who is incredible, has, uh, you know, he, his passer rating allowed is 86.8. So significantly, significantly better. The 49ers live in the middle of the field. They don't live on the outside, but the outside is where they're going to need to attack against this Lions defense. And it'll be interesting to me to see what that looks like 
in terms of of the pass game because again, you know they they want to attack the middle of the field. They want to attack your linebackers, right? Uh, but if if they're coming out and and Branch is playing nickel, then 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 you're you, the middle of the field is probably kind of erased for you. So uh, that's really where I think the biggest uh, you know the the biggest chess match is going to be is where does Kyle Shanahan attack if Branch is on the field and are we going to see more vertical routes on the outside and things like that to Ayuk because that's where Detroit is most vulnerable. And so again, this is just playoff football, right? It's, it is matchup based in, in the playoffs. And that's the other thing is this lion's defense. Isn't great. If you look at their rankings or anything like that, but the Packers defense wasn't either. And, and mm-hmm. we've got to get away from this idea that like, Hey, this defense was kind of garbage in the, in the regular season. So they're going to be easy. And it's the postseason, man. Nothing is easy. Nothing, nothing is easy. And so regardless of, of how the lions played in, in the regular season, they won their first playoff game against the Rams. They, they bottled up a very, very impressive and potent Rams offense on defense. You know, they, they wrapped them. They, they, they held them to, uh, what was it? 20, 23, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was uh, again, a, a Rams defense that put up, I believe over 30 against the Ravens in Baltimore uh, back in, in, in December. So uh, whether or not this Lions defense was, was one of the best in the, uh, during the regular season doesn't matter. It's the playoffs. It's the playoffs. It's matchup based and where the lions are strongest on defense is where the 49ers are strongest on offense. And that's defending the run. And the 49ers are, are, are strong at, 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 crafting a run game. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to come down to whether or not the Lions defense can stop Brock Purdy and the passing game. And I don't I don't know that they can. Now if Brock comes out and plays like he did against Green Bay, it's not going to be great, right? But it's not going to be raining. Uh he's got a game under his belt, knock the rust off, led that <clears throat> led that game winning drive like has that in his back pocket. And so, you know, I, I think, like you said, I think it's going to be a, a, a Brock Purdy game, a Brock Purdy, Brandon, Ayuk, George Kittle game. And if Debo plays, you know, I, I think Debo is going to be involved in the passing game. I don't know how much he's going to be involved in the run game. You know, we might be seeing a bunch of tunnel screens and things like that, but mm-hmm. I, yeah, it, it, if the 49ers win this game, it's going to be on the back or the arm of, of their second year quarterback. So lions are second at 1509 allowed rushing yards. The bears are actually first okay. and the lions yards per attempt, uh, 3.7 is third and the Texans and the Patriots are the only teams that are better at yards per attempt running against. So yeah, it's going to be a challenge if the Niners are, are, are going to, are going to run the ball consistently against them. The other bounce back, person or God, whatever you want to say in this game, Kyle Shanahan, he yep. didn't have a good game last week. He, he did didn't. So I'm interested to see, like you said, how he's going to come out and attack this week. I'm interested to see what the game plan is going to be this week, how aggressive he's going to be. Is he going to come out, throw come out throwing? Is he going to take shots? Cause it was wet last week. You know, you're not, it, it does hurt your downfield passing game for sure. Regardless of who you are, when you're playing in the rain, the ball is slippery and everything else. Really, really want to see what Kyle's going to come out like and how aggressive he's going to be. Is he going to be conservative, Kyle? Is he going to be aggressive, Kyle? 
what is the game plan going to look like? It's just, there's so much in this game that interests me. And even, you know, I think if the Lions were playing at any other team, I would really be rooting for the Lions. Like I'd really be. Oh, for sure. Team. For With sure. Dan Campbell and the underdog story. And it's, they've just been so much fun this year to watch. And, and how can you not root for Dan Campbell? So, but not this weekend, <laughs> this weekend, I no. won't be rooting for Dan Campbell, but you know, listen, man, I, I feel, I still feel good. I still feel like the Niners are the better team. Um, you know, we've seen Detroit, you know, they went against the Ravens. They got destroyed. We've seen them you know, lay some eggs here and there. So mm-hmm. to me, they have to score. I, I don't think it's going to be a game at all where they're going to hold Detroit down 10 points or 13 points. Detroit's going to yeah. be in the twenties. Yeah. So can the Niners outscore them? I think they can. I'm going to say, Brian, it's going to be 34 to 24, 27 in that range. Yeah, I, I, the thing I'm looking for is the Lions are, you know, are underdogs. And by, is it by more than a touchdown now? I, I think it still uh, is. Last I saw and it was six and a half, but I think that changed. Okay. Um, but when when you go into a game like that, uh, one of the things that you want to do is foment chaos, right? Like that's going to be your best bet at at overcoming some of the, you know, the the difficulties in in going on the road to play a, a, a nfc championship game and so uh i'll be interested to see you know how many times does campbell go for it on fourth down how many times does he go for two uh how many fake punts is he going to call like i guarantee it's probably one at least right like i think he's going to i think he's going to put or attempt to put chaos into this game to also throw off kyle shanahan who let's be honest, hasn't always had the best showing in, in the postseason when it comes to game management, clock management, things of that nature. And, you know, is, is it going to be a situation where, you know, Kyle has to, to get out of his comfort zone a little bit. And I agree with you the, as much as I would love to see the defense just absolutely put on a show. uh, I don't think it's going to happen. And I think that, like you said, they're going to have to, well, this is football. You have to outscore your opponent in order to win, but it's going to be more of a shootout than I think we would like to see. And so I I still think the 49ers have enough. I agree with you. I think they're going to have to score over 30 and I think that they will. Um, And so I'm going to say that the 49ers win 31 to 27. So the Lions went for it 40 times in the regular season on fourth down. They made 21. Um, so they go for it a lot. That was the second most yeah. fourth down attempts. So they, they do take their chances. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think this is going to be a Niners win. And listen, if, if they win, we got a lot of fun stuff planned. Yes, we do. For the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, We're going to try to do a lot of shows. We're going to try to talk to a lot of people. You know, it doesn't have to be a full show. If we got to talk to somebody for 15 minutes here and 20 minutes there, whatever it's going to be, we're going to try to put out a lot of content and it'll be awesome. If they lose, it's just going to suck for everybody. It's going to yes. suck for us. It's going to suck for you. It's going to suck for everybody. And we're yeah. going to do a por- post-mortem show. And then we got to do two shows a week, but they're going to, it's going to suck. It's all going to suck. <laughs> so let's hope that, um, let's hope that they win. Now it's going to suck for a while. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I really don't want to talk about this team. If, if they don't make it to the Super Bowl. I really don't not, not like I'd be mad. I just don't want to do it. I just want to talk about <laughs> in, in the Super Bowl. like, I want to talk about, I want to talk about whoever they're going to try and get revenge against. Cause whoever they play, it's going to be a revenge game, whether it's the Ravens and it's revenge for Christmas and it's revenge for 2012 or whether it's the chief and it's chiefs and it's revenge for 
for the 2019 season. Um, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna, if they make it to the Super Bowl, it's, it's, it's a revenge match. And so, uh, I, I love talking about stuff like that. And yeah, I just, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go into the off season on a downer. And so I'm hoping for two more wins and then I'm hoping Al will fly out for the parade and, and all of that stuff. So <laughs> if, if Odyssey pays for it, um, who do you want to play if they win? I want to play the chiefs. Me too. Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to play. Them. Yes. 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 I know what I feel like right now. Yeah. I, I want to play the chiefs. I, I think this chiefs team is nowhere near as good on offense as they were in 2019. I think they're better on defense, but the 49ers offense is better than it was in 2019. So uh, I think that's a fun matchup. We've already seen them play the Ravens. They got the shit kicked out of them. I don't anticipate <laughs> that being the case again, but we've already seen it. I don't want to see it again. Um, we haven't seen them play the Chiefs since since last season. And so, yeah, that's, that's the one I'm rooting for. Yeah, listen, I love Jason Kelsey shirtless with the Bills Mafia. I loved it. Um, I'm sure the NFL wants to see Taylor Swift. What would they want more? than to show Taylor Swift during the Super Bowl and have her out there for the trip. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, they would love it. So, yeah, I want them to get there, and yes. then I want them to lose. Yes. So, listen, do we like Taylor Swift in this house? We absolutely do. But, Taylor, if you're trying and, uh, at the end of the Super Bowl, yeah. you write a song about it. Maybe you put out a good album. Yeah. Hey, there the you go. That's the, that's the, that's the next the one. Bowl. That's the next one. Yeah. No, yeah, right. we, are, uh, we are Taylor Swift aficionados in this household as well. I've got a wife who went to the concert. I've got uh, an 11 year, almost 11 year old and an eight year old who love her. So, um, yeah, it's, it, this is a Taylor Swift household. I have zero problem with anything that's been going on, uh, with Taylor Swift. Uh, the NFL is a money-making adventure. And so they're going to do whatever they can to make the most amount of money. And for people who are butthurt about that, like, Hey, get over it. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, people are making this a much bigger deal than it needs to be. But, but yeah, I, <laughs> I will be, I genuinely will be interested to see how many, if the Chiefs beat the Ravens, I will be interested to see how many, I, I don't even want to call them bad calls, but how many calls are involved in that, that give the Chiefs an advantage? Because like I said, I think the I think the NFL is desperate, desperate for the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl to continue to milk that that uh swifty uh train and so uh, uh you know hey i'm not a conspiracy theorist but uh, they already said i'm also there, a kings was... fan i'm also a sacramento kings fan so uh i know what it looks like when the league absolutely fucks your team over uh and uh and i i'm not i, I don't think any other <laughs> any other league is above that they are i saw a thing today that they put a ref or one of the refs there calls the least penalties for the visiting team or is the most favorable for yeah. the visiting team. I saw some yep. headline like that today. That's the so ref already, game, yeah. Right, at the Chiefs-Ravens yeah. game. And obviously yep. the Chiefs are the visiting team. So yep. they're already starting with that. Like, it's already getting, like, propped up to, like, yeah. wait for these calls. And you just know there's going to be a phantom pass interference or a phantom hold or something that's going to happen. But I think the Ravens, they're just a fucking buzzsaw right now. They are. They I think are. they're a bad matchup for the Chiefs. And they're going to – because the Chiefs have a tough time against the run. The Bills were really, really running on them, and I think Lamar yeah. is going to go crazy in this game. It's one of those things where, again, if, if if the Ravens beat themselves, turnovers or Lamar just has a implodes, whatever. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I I think it would be a pretty big upset if the Ravens don't make the Super Bowl. Agreed. And as people have have pointed out for quite a few months now, 
what are the uh what are the colors of the super bowl logo they're purple and red just saying all the script people the the conspiracy theorists yeah (laughs) they've been saying it's it's been niners and ravens for like months because of the colors of the the, the colors and like there's been advertisements that already said not niners and ravens and like yeah the conspiracy (laughs) theorists are all out already so who knows we'll see but again we're excited yes they're in the super bowl good times they're not life sucks but either way we're going to be with you even if it's just me and brian just staring at each other clearing our throats um and and wiping away tears so (laughs) it's gonna be a sobbing for 40 minutes on here yes so all right well enjoy the game everybody we'll be back to whatever happens talk about it afterwards for brian i'm al later Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 